You're listening to the Scotiabank Market Points Podcast. I'm your host, Greg White. Market Points is part of the Knowledge Capital series, a collection of audio, video, and written commentary from Scotiabank Global Banking and Markets leaders designed to provide you with timely insights and analysis. Equity markets stormed back despite very frightening economic numbers. How has the Canadian dollar behaved alongside this market optimism? And with continued fiscal and monetary stimulus, fears of inflation have re-emerged. Meanwhile, incoming Bank of Canada Governor Tiff Macklem has not ruled out negative interest rates. On today's episode of Market Points, Sean Osborne, Managing Director and Chief Currency Strategist at Scotiabank, shares his expectations for the Canadian dollar and explains why inflationary fears may be overblown. Hi, Sean. Thanks for being on the podcast today. Hi, Greg. It's uh, good to be here again. Sean, the equity markets have been on a roller coaster ride for the past couple of months. Uh, how has the Canadian dollar behaved alongside that volatility? Has it been behaving the way you expect it to? I, I think, to a large extent, yes. I mean, effectively, it's been pulled along on the same roller coaster ride tracks as um, as equity markets. Um, to to a large extent, the Canadian dollar uh, weakened initially in the early part of this year as the coronavirus. Um, hit the global economy, um, equity markets tanked, um, commodity prices fell, uh, and that uh, weakened the, the Canadian dollar. But since late March, we've had a very significant rebound in uh, equity markets, generally speaking. Um, particularly in the US, we have the, the NASDAQ uh, index, uh, which is trading now uh, slightly up on the year, which uh, all things considered is, is a quite stupendous um, uh, achievement. And the Canadian dollar has... Um, been reassured or stabilized um, uh, by that uh, by that rebound in in risk assets. Generally speaking, the Canadian dollar tracks uh, risk assets quite uh, quite closely. Um, as a what we will call a high beta currency, it tends to reflect um, uh, the global uh, growth environment, the global risk environment, whether uh, investors are uh, bullish or bearish on equities. Um, uh, these kind of things do have an impact on the Canadian dollar's performance on a um, on a day-to-day um, kind of perspective. Um, and we have seen the Canadian dollar uh, recover um, as equity markets have, um, have uh, rebounded strongly uh, since late, late March. Another positive impact on the Canadian dollar has been the um, declining volatility that has resulted from the rebound in equity markets. And we can see that um, um, measured volatility in the exchange rate, in the Canadian dollar exchange rate, has uh, slip back um, as well. So perhaps I think last time we were talking, we were mentioning maybe Dollar Canada uh, trading in a tight range um, or trading in the range um, around 140, somewhere between 135 on the downside, 145 uh, on the upper end of that range. We've actually seen the Canadian dollar trade relatively strongly um, over the past uh, couple of weeks as equity markets have extended that uh, that rise. Um, but the the volatility has also uh, declined somewhat. So uh, we're looking effectively still at a range trade in the Canadian dollar, I think, but um, uh, the downside may be 138.50, um, the top side of that range, perhaps in the short run here, something more like 142.50. I mean, in the context of this connection, uh, do you feel this market optimism is warranted? Um, I, I think, um, well, it's it's difficult to say at this point, because I think what, uh, what we're seeing is um, uh, markets uh, effectively look through uh, some of the poor economic data we've had um, over the last little while and, and price in um, uh, the expected 
sharp recovery in the second half of this year. So equity markets seem to be pricing for um, that sort of V-shaped recovery. With all this strange uncertainty, if you're running a Canadian business that uh, has a lot of risk exposure on the currency side, how, how are you implementing a hedging strategy in this environment right now? Yeah, it's very difficult. A, um, not not least because of the uh, the volatility, uh, but B also because of the the lack of visibility about um, uh, just where your businesses are likely to be, or your um, uh, or your markets. If you're an exporter, um, for example, where those um, where those businesses and markets are likely to be um, three, six, twelve months down the road. Um, everyone's assuming um, at this point. I think that we uh, we will see a fairly rapid. Uh, rebound in in growth. That's certainly our our base case. Um, but um, I think the the longer we remain in this uh, lockdown um, environment, um, perhaps the uh, the longer the recovery may uh, take. And um, I, I guess it's it's about trying to characterize the sort of uh, recovery and the shape of the recovery uh, that businesses expect. And um, with that lack of visibility about just where uh, we're going to be in three months, six months, 12 months time. It is very hard um, for businesses to know um, what to hedge, how to hedge um, their currency exposure um, and uh, what sort of commitment um, to that hedge um, they, they should have. Normally, um, in, a, in, a, uh, in a steadier economic environment, businesses will probably hedge fairly aggressively three months out a little bit less so uh, six months out and just take on a, um, a modest hedge over a 12-month view. Um, with the lack of visibility, I think we have regarding economic prospects and um, just where we're going to be um, a, short, um, a short way ahead, uh, I think businesses are likely to remain very conservative in the hedging approach um, in the next few months, at least until we get some visibility on, um, uh, on the global economy and just how quickly this rebound is going to um, pan out. The Bank of Canada is certainly keeping its options open with respect to being able to assist in economic recovery uh, and recently, of course, said that they're, they wouldn't rule out negative interest rates. How likely is that scenario in Canada? Unlikely, I think, but perhaps a little bit of context around, the, around those comments um, um, first, Greg. I think, um, you know, the headlines um, emerged on negative interest rates around the uh, press conference that introduced or reintroduced um, Tiff Macklem uh, to Canadian markets as the um, Bank of Canada uh, governor designate to replace uh, Governor Polos when he steps down in, in early June. Um, Mr. Macklem was asked by a reporter about negative interest rates, and like any good central banker, um, he effectively said, Well, it's something in the toolkit, something that we could use. Um, uh, we wouldn't rule it out. Um, and I think markets probably paid a little bit too much attention to. Uh, the kind of headlines that uh, that, that generated, because um, in effect, Mr. Macklin was not saying anything different, I don't think, to what um, uh, Governor Pollers um, has said already. They seem to be effectively on the same page about um, about this in terms of the a sort of fuller examination of Mr. Macklin's uh, remarks, which was effectively, yes, this is something that we could do. Um, uh, it's probably not likely, um, however, and um, interest rates at uh, 0.25 for the, um, uh, the overnight target rate uh, for the Bank of Canada is effectively the zero lower bound. Um, so Mr. Macklem's comments really did um, echo, I think, quite strongly the, the views that um, uh, Governor Polos 
um, as um, previously outlined with regard to negative interest rates. And um, I think, um, you know, we should, um, I think, take those, those comments at face value. Um, are negative interest rates possible? Yes, certainly possible. Um, are they likely? I think highly unlikely at, um, at this point. I think there's um, um, other policy options that the, the Bank of Canada has at its disposal uh, that it would pursue before it um, uh, thought about implementing negative interest rates. And I think a key consideration uh, for Canada uh, is that it's probably not a policy option they, that they would pursue in isolation. We'd probably have to see, in other words, uh, the Federal Reserve um, go the same way um, that's to say, implement negative interest rates before we saw uh, negative interest rates um, emerge in Canada. And everything we're seeing from um, the Fed's leadership um, over the past, particularly over the past few days where it's come up as a topic um, in the US, is that uh, this is not a policy choice that um, uh, they are particularly uh, favorably disposed to. Um, so, um, yes, I think it's, uh, it's possible. Um, is it likely? I think probably not at this point. Uh, Never say never, obviously, but um, uh, there are considerations that um, that uh, I think make uh, negative interest rates for Canada and the U.S. not a particularly attractive um, policy option. Uh, just very briefly, uh, for example, uh, negative interest rates um, can complicate um, the functioning of money markets. Uh, it can um, compromise the profitability of the banking sector, which um, uh, has the actually. Uh, effectively the opposite impact of, of um, what negative interest rates are intending to do, which is encouraging lending. Um, if bank profitability is compromised, then banks um, uh, would probably tend to lend less. So that's clearly not an outcome that uh, you, would, uh, you would necessarily want. And I think um, just very briefly, you know, the jury is, is still out on, on the effectiveness of, of negative interest rates on uh, stimulating growth and lending in the economies where we've seen this introduced. Uh, it's not entirely clear that um, uh, it's it's had a significant positive Im impact on lifting inflation or um, or boosting growth. So um, I think um, considering those options and and those factors, um, it's it's highly unlikely at this point that we would see negative interest rates in Canada. Would there be if if the Bank of Canada did have to implement something like that, would there be an immediate impact on the Canadian dollar? Um, I think if you look around the world um, at banks that have um, pursued negative interest rates, there, there is certainly um, uh, a sort of currency aspect of, um, of that policy choice. Um, the countries that kind of spring to mind where negative interest rates um, have been implemented over the last few years, um, that would be um, Switzerland, um, Denmark, in the Eurozone, in Japan. Um, I think there is a, a kind of common thread uh, running through negative interest rates for, for those economies that are um, uh, trying to control appreciation of the currency, certainly for Switzerland, um, certainly for Denmark, uh, to some extent Japan as well. Uh, controlling currency appreciation was very much a, uh, a consideration in the choice to go the negative rate route. Um, so um, although the, uh, the stimulus effect of negative interest rates, I think, can be debated, um, I think that the currency impact um, or the impact on, currents, on the currency from negative interest rates is probably less debatable. Um, and uh, all else being equal, I would imagine that negative interest rates, um, if they were implemented in Canada, on the face of it would be, we would consider that a negative. But considering what I, I said a moment or so ago 
um, about um, the likelihood uh, of negative interest rates. It's, it's highly unlikely, I think, that uh, we would go that route in Canada without the Federal Reserve in the U.S. having gone that route before us. Um, the net impact, um, assuming both countries go that route, uh, both central banks go that route, um, the net impact effectively on the Canadian dollar may be relatively limited. There's a lot of stimulus happening and, and it's creating worries about inflation. Are you concerned about inflation at all? Yeah, I, I think with um, all the stimulus that we're seeing um, being pushed into the system um, at the moment, we're um, talking about massive amounts of fiscal stimulus and, and um, balance sheet expansion um, by central banks around the world. Um, there is concern that um, um, you know, very easy fiscal and monetary policy um, is possibly going to lead to a spike in inflation um, down the road. It's not, in our view, um, at the moment um, at all likely. I think we have to keep in mind that um, um, you know, inflation generally, very basically, is a reflection of too much money chasing too little supply. Um, and um, certainly globally at the moment, we're not looking at the situation where um, there are those kinds of, of imbalances. If anything, you know, with um, unemployment in Canada and the U.S. in the high teens or 20 percent um, consumer uh, confidence taking a massive hit in, in this um, um, virus episode, um, there is not likely to be that kind of um, demand push on, on inflation. Um, I think we have to consider also more generally that um, there is still a lot of excess supply in the global economy um, that has kept a lid on prices pretty consistently um, over the last few years. This was a concern, for example, after the 2007-2008 financial crisis when the Federal Reserve uh, sort of first embarked on this um, um, unorthodox monetary policy um, measure, uh, quantitative easing, that um, um, investors were again concerned that um, um, you know, inflation could be a, a consequence of this, uh, of this policy um, uh, choice. And we didn't see, we haven't seen inflation um, emerge uh, at all in any significant form globally over the last 10 or 12 years. And I think it's likely to um, remain the case. Of course, we have to think that um, we're talking about inflation in the sense of uh, measured inflation, uh, the traditional sense of the consumer price index and, and that kind of thing. Um, I would say that um, a sort of secondary consideration is that, um, you know, we are seeing a degree of inflation in financial assets, in house prices uh, that we could perhaps tie back to um, this kind of monetary um, expansion. Um, and it could perhaps be argued that con conditions is central bank stimulus um, effectively are driving financial assets and house prices um, higher and higher. Um, that's generally, I would say, um, you know, if you're a homeowner or if you have any kind of equity portfolio, that's less of a concern um, because you're seeing the underlying value, of course, of those assets uh, appreciate. So um, at the margin, perhaps we are seeing some sort of um, inflationary pressures emerge in certain um, asset classes, but not in the traditional, I would say, um, uh, measures of inflation that we would uh, perhaps um, be more concerned about in terms of general price inflation, um, cost of living, that kind of thing. On the consumer side then, has it been technological advancement that's been keeping inflation at bay over the last decade? 
Yeah, I, I think there's a number of um, a number of factors that have uh, generally um, helped uh, keep a lid on prices generally over the last um, um, uh, couple of decades. Effectively, um, technology, um, as Governor Pollers terms it, the fourth industrial revolution. Um, the efficiencies that technologies, um, new technologies, continue to uh, deliver. Um, the fact that we are uh, still um, effectively, I think, dealing with you know a significant um, global supply shock. Um, um, from that, um, and uh, the emergence of China, perhaps as a um, a significant source of um, relatively cheap goods um, to the global economy, um, those things combined, I think, have um, had a significant dampening effect on inflationary pressures generally um, over the last few years. Tremendous number of factors then to be considering, uh, and I'm sure it's a very difficult thing to do in this environment. Um, but perhaps um, share your forecast for the Canadian dollar this year. So um, we think essentially we'll continue to trade in something of a range um, around this 140 point for the Canadian dollar over the next um, over the next uh, few weeks and into the middle of the year. We are assuming that um, as we get into the second half of the year, we hopefully we'll start to see some uh, some tentative moves towards economic uh, normalization, uh, return to work. As I, as I said earlier, I think um, you know the hopes for that uh, coming uh, fairly quickly in the second half of the year, perhaps um, risk being disappointed, we may see that push back a little bit later into the second half. Um, so uh, I think for currencies generally over the next uh, few months, it's, it's likely to be um, you know, the shape of the, the recovery globally that dictates um, the sort of net winners and losers in uh, in this environment, um, whether we get the V-shaped uh, rebound, the sort of U-shaped rebound, um, uh, the Nike swoosh sort of shaped rebound, or hopefully not, but the the risk of a um, uh, a W uh, sort of rebound where we see a, a recovery, uh, but run into perhaps a, a renewed outbreak of the coronavirus later in the year, which slows things down again. Uh, they're the kind of considerations I think that effectively will dictate. Um, you know, which currencies do well, relatively speaking, um, over the next few months. Generally speaking, assuming that uh, we're um, kind of in the ballpark of a a fairly decent rebound um, in global economic activity in the second half of the year, we expect the Canadian dollar to pick up a little bit of support, not greatly so, um, uh, and probably trade down to the 139 area at the end of uh, this year. We expect uh, a bit more Canadian dollar strength and a bit more general U.S. dollar weakness actually um, to emerge in um, 2021. At that point, we expect uh, the dollar Canada exchange rate should be trading somewhere closer to the the 130 point. A year-end forecast at the moment is 132. We assume alongside that that we will see a bit of a rebound in crude oil prices, commodity prices generally as the global economy picks up. That was Sean Osborne, Managing Director and Chief Currency Strategist at Scotiabank. You can find more thought-leading content from Scotiabank on our website at gbm.scotiabank.com. And you can also follow us on Twitter at ScotiabankGBM, as well as our LinkedIn showcase page under Scotiabank Global Banking and Markets. Please refer to our legal disclosures on our website. Thanks for listening.